Hi everyone, welcome back to the Finite Podcast, where today we're going to be discussing one of the most important B2B marketing channels in 2023, as shown by our Finite B2B Marketing Trends annual report that we released late last year. And that's content marketing. We'll be joined by Thomas PM, who is VP of Marketing at Storyblock, to discuss content marketing, how marketers can utilize content trends this year, how to stand out in a crowded marketplace where content is the go-to channel, whether you're a startup, scale-up or enterprise. I hope you enjoy. The Finite community is supported by Clarity, the fast-growing global marketing communications agency working with leading technology brands. We are living through an unprecedented era of change driven by advancements in technology, technology that has the power to be an impetus for good and that will drive us towards a healthier, more prosperous, sustainable and equitable future. Clarity exists to tell the stories of these companies, blending the science of data with the art of storytelling to enact measurable marketing and communications campaigns and deliver results to the bottom line. Visit clarity.global to find out more. Hello, Thomas. Welcome to the Finite Podcast. Thank you for joining me. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me today. Happy to be here. Very much looking forward to talking. You're joining us from Austria. I should say, actually, it's two degrees, I think, in London today. So I think it might be colder here than in Austria. Oh, no, it's know. pretty much the same. I am just looking at my phone. It's also two degrees Celsius. Yeah. Not not winter wonderland yet, but it started to snow last night. So, <laughs> yeah, we're nice, getting yeah, there. We never really get a white Christmas here in the UK. It never really snows over Christmas. So this year, maybe, let's see. Looking forward to talking. I know you've been on a big growth journey with Storyblock recently. Before we dive into that and a bit of a focus on content marketing, why don't you tell us a bit about your background and your experience? Sure. Happy to start with a quick intro. So my name is Thomas, Thomas Piham. I'm basically working in B2B software as a service marketing since 2014. Back then, I joined a small startup, I guess how you would call it, um, who was building and creating a bug tracking user feedback solution. A company still exists, it's still around, and it's grown, grown also quite a bit. It's called Usersnap, usersnap.com. And I've joined the team back then as the first marketing person, basically building out all of the inbound marketing side of things. And I was kind of doing that for the next four years. And yeah, really basically back then fallen in love with B2B software as a service marketing. And I went on after four years to join a, a company called Dynatrace in the digital marketing team and um, also for some time in, on an interim kind of level leading the digital marketing team there. And yeah, back then I kind of realized and we're speaking about 2018, 2019 that uh, I was also passionate about like helping different software businesses with all of their marketing challenges. Um, so I went on a freelance path. So actually, after that exposure at Dynatrace, I, I went full-time as a freelancer. And that's how I ended up at Storyblock in the first place when Dominic and Alex, our two co-founders, were looking for someone who can help them build the inbound marketing side of things. So basically, as a freelancer, I really enjoyed working with different software-as-a-service businesses. And to be honest, I never really planned to go back full time to to a software vendor, but yeah, when when I started to to work and collaborate with Alex, Dominic, and the Storyblock team, I I kind of saw the special traction they were on back then, and that really got got me hooked in 2020. And yeah, since 21, I'm I'm here full time as VP of marketing, and yeah, absolutely love it. Very cool. And now I know Storyblock's been on a big growth journey. I think you raised a Series B in sometime earlier this year, which was fairly sizable. Tell us a bit about the company and what Storyblock does. Sure. Storyblock is a headless content management system. And as a CMS, we basically work with 
now close to 100,000 developers and marketing teams all over the world in helping them create better content experiences. We are a content management system, and there are different use cases on when a business needs a content management system. It's like in the most simple form, most websites run on a CMS. So you would have a marketing team, content team, developers, and other team members contributing to that with content. Storyblock does that for all sorts of verticals, use cases, and areas. But um, the thing that really stands out and also goes back to, to our, our goal at Storyblock is that we want to be the number one CMS for the 21st century. Because we believe that a lot of the more traditional content management systems who were built in the 90s and the early 2000s were built at a time where we as consumers would use desktop computers, but all of the other user interfaces, front ends, devices, and channels weren't really around. And that simple fact create a lot of friction these times for marketing teams, content teams, and developers when it comes to maintaining content. So that is really our goal at Storyblock. Um, we are on a quite a growth trajectory, as, as you also referred to. When I joined the team in, in 2020 and then full-time in 21, we were about 20 people in the whole company. We've now grown to 230 people in the last two years. And yeah, I'm really excited about that opportunity. And we all still feel that this is the beginning because CMS is such a big topic and there's still so much to be done on the, in the content management space in the years to come. Absolutely. And how much has the marketing team grown with that? Well, we've basically grown. So, so we had two part-time colleagues when I joined in 2020. It was around September 2020. We're now 30 people. Actually, we're going to start next year with 33 people on the marketing team alone. So yeah, we've, we've grown quite a bit also on the marketing side. And that's that's really exciting. Nice growth. It's always nice for our listeners to hear a bit about kind of how things are structured. So maybe you can explain of that 30, 33 people broadly, how you structure the, the marketing function. Sure, absolutely. So generally speaking, we have like three main, call it divisions or pillars in the marketing team. One is brand and comms. Um, so we do have two people on the PR side. We have one person uh, as an analyst relations manager working with um, different analyst firms. And we have now two people um, since recently on the social media side working on like social content, but also like the social channels, obviously. So that's like the, the brand and comp side of things. We then have like a demand channel lead generation team. In those teams, we have different people on, for example, the paid side, performance marketing side, working on like Page channels like Google and LinkedIn are two main paid channels. But we also have like our event marketers and field marketers in that team. As a marketing team, we're primarily focused around seven core countries, tier one countries, as we call them. Yeah, in those countries, for example, we do a lot of in-person events, um, partner events, um, but also virtual events still these times. So we do have, yeah, for example, three people who are, who, who are primarily focused around the, the whole event topic in, in that team as well. Um, and then we also have like some demand generation specialists, marketing generalists, as I would call them in that team as well. Um, so that's the lead gen, demand gen side of things, is the second pillar. The third pillar is our marketing services. Um, you can see that like as an internal, internal marketing agency where we have a content team, team members who create case studies, landing page content, all of, but also like other sales enablement materials. As well as we now have three people in our video team. We had to have two in-house video editors and producers, for example, who create a lot of fantastic videos that you can see on our YouTube channel, but also like things like case study videos, customer videos, partner videos, all of that. So that is part also of that in marketing services. 
unit. And in there, we also have product marketing um, to product marketers who are responsible for like the strategic narrative, messaging, positioning, and all of that. And last but not least, marketing operations and the ABM, which is also part of the marketing services. Cool. Very nice. I like the idea of the yeah marketing services internal agency, as you put it. It's a nice way of uh, nice way of structuring things. I think sometimes it's easy to. We're going to be talking a lot about content, but content can sometimes be its own thing. But but I think seeing content as something that serves all of the different parts of the marketing function is a, a healthy way of looking at it. Maybe we'll we'll touch on that a bit more. I'm sure. No, absolutely. Let's talk content marketing and uh, demand gen. I know that content's been a big part of your career in marketing throughout maybe you can tell us a bit about i mean i guess it's the go-to playbook for scaling a lot of b2b SaaS companies right content is always uh there's always a content pillar but tell us about your experiences <laughs> yeah sure i mean for sure it does make sense in a lot of occasions from a strategic perspective i, I think my personal story with content marketing is is rather less strategic to be fully honest and rather just happened so back in 2014 when i joined UserSnap as the first marketer i was kind of prompted with the topic and also the growth challenge on how can we grow the inbound side of things as a fully self-service business with not a lot of resources, right? We were a small team, we, were, we would run on small marketing budgets, so we wouldn't have endless um, resources and money to be spent, right? So I kind of asked myself, like, what are things that I, as Thomas, can do, right? Like, what are things I can not only own, but I can also, like, execute end-to-end because of those limits that we had in place and Back in 2014, I, I was kind of wrapping up one one job where I was working for a big media company here in Austria. But at the same time, I, I was I was also like a, a hobby blogger. So I would, I would have my own tech blog where I would blog about all different types of nerdy and not so nerdy stuff I was interested in. And the third thing is I, I just finished my master thesis around content marketing where I was working with different agencies in, in Germany and Austria around how, how do they approach content marketing. So back in 2014, when I joined that that um, software business, I was like, well, that's the most obvious stuff, right? I, I learned about content marketing in the theory. I wrote my thesis about it. I'm a hobby blogger. I know how to create content, written content. So let me use that knowledge for this business, right? And apply that. And that's how everything basically started by me creating blog articles, by me sharing the knowledge we as a team, as as a business, um, but also as people in, in the bug tracking and user feedback space would think about stuff. And through that knowledge sh- sharing, we basically had the main intention of let's position ourselves as the experts in that field, in this growing field, but also let's position our content and the knowledge we have in that field so other people not only read about it, learn about it, but also potentially take the next step, take the leap and check out our product. Because if you would read about let's say some some new trends in, in user feedback and how what are best practices around how you ask your customers, your users for feedback, et cetera, et cetera. You might also need a technology for, for, for that topic, right? So you might also check out our software solution. And that was kind of the hypothesis or the theory on how we got started. And luckily, we weren't under pressure where we had to show results uh, within a couple of months because one thing that I also put out as a big disclaimer to other software businesses is content marketing takes time, right? I mean, there's a big joy in scaling it, but most often it scales organically over time. So you would most often, especially if you don't have paid money to support your efforts, you wouldn't see immediate results the next day, the next week, the next month, right? 
So we weren't seeing any of that for the first three to six months in full, full disclosure. But after that, we were seeing the joy of how, how you can grow and scale and inbound by getting and optimizing Google rankings, create like and continuously putting yourself and putting content out there. And through that, we were able to, to scale up the blog, for example, I think in, within the first year to a million visitors. And through that size, we were converting people to our software solution. And yeah, that really helped us grow the business at the end of the day. Was that a strategic choice to your intro question in the beginning? Probably not, because it was rather as a way of me dealing with the challenge we had. But yeah, I also realized also when working with other software businesses that, yes, you need to be very strategic about it, but you also need to have a, a, a culture that is ready to adopt content, content marketing. I always say that is a very important aspect, especially if you're a small team or maybe just starting out as founders where you need to be like you need to feel comfortable with this also as human beings, as, as founders and so on. And the third aspect is, um, is it really a tactic or a way that helps you from a, your go-to-market perspective? Because there's no one-size-fits-all kind of solution in content marketing. So you also have to look at product market fit, audience fit. And if content, content marketing and or blogging or videos is really the best way where you reach your audience in, in your business. So there are many disclaimers, I think, generally coming with, with, with content marketing. But personally, I've I've, I found big choice in that and also some, some success with that. Obviously, there are failures involved as well. But yeah, most often, especially in B2B, especially in B2B niches where there needs to be education, then marketing has an educational purpose. Content marketing is a great, great um, channel and a great tool for that. The Finite Community and Podcast are kindly supported by 93X, the digital marketing agency working exclusively with ambitious, fast-growth B2B technology companies. Visit 93x.agency to find out how they partner with marketing teams in B2B technology companies to drive growth. You talked a bit about getting started on a, you know, maybe on a smaller budget or if you're just as founders, you've obviously being there, you've you've got a, a bigger team now and I assume invest a, f- a fair amount more in content. Maybe you can talk a bit about your experiences getting started, any advice on getting started with a more limited budget and then the differences you see in a you know, a larger team with, with content marketing and a higher budget. Well, if if you're just getting started, I would I would recommend to focus less on especially these times. I mean it was a bit different in, in twenty fourteen, but if you got started today with content, content marketing, I would I would focus less on them quantity like it doesn't matter so much if like if you produce one article per week per month or five ten whatever the number really is focus less on that but focus more on the quality side of things focus on how can you actually provide real value and i mean we're talking here today at a time where chat gpt and all of the content ai tools are picking up so i think even on a very small budget you need to focus on the creative side of things and how you can be different in with your content that you put out there because we all live in a time where there's no lack of content in any industry, in any vertical, I would argue. So think about it. What can you provide as, as a person or as a small team, as founders, and how can you be different and how can you stand out from, from the masses? That would be the very first topic. And then it's about think about it in the sense of what's a format you feel comfortable? Like, are you rather leaning towards, are you good at writing? Like, put yourself out there. Do it yourself before you hire someone. That's also always, if you have a small budget, like do it yourself. Like record yourself in a video if you prefer a video. Put yourself out there through written forms of content. Like 
do what feels natural to you as founders or as a very small team. That's and do that in a way where you can provide value to your audience that you target. The second part is you will learn a lot from an audience message fit, product market fit, channel fit, and so on and so forth. So as marketers, especially in the software tech space, we like to talk about scaling, right? And scalability. It sounds super dumb, but do the things that don't scale in the beginning, like talk to customers one-on-one, do coffee chats with community members you might have or potential people you might have as, as customers. Also as a marketer, like do that because that's how you learn about the problems they have. That's how you learn how content resonates with them. Don't be too shy to ask them for feedback and input because that's the only way how you can be better in your content efforts. And that's by becoming better there, you can scale better and faster afterwards. Good tips. What about now? So we talked a bit about your marketing services team that you've built internally. The the first tip I would say is even as a big team, don't lose that, right? Still keep the the things that, that do not scale. Still talk to your customers, talk to your community members. I think like even now we have like six or seven people in the content team. I want them to be at on the ground talking to to our community members and be learning from them and be humble to learn and open to learn from them because like and that's maybe also a cultural thing we we at storyblock want to make sure but we we always like we do have this well you have we care for people right we care for each other but we care for our community members and i don't want to create the sentiment that we are the teachers right yes we put a lot of content out there but we also learn so much from our community members, and it's more about showing those stories and telling those stories. Larger budgets allow us to do more experiments, allow us to also focus, for example, more on the performance marketing side, where we think about how can we grow certain editorial content pieces? How can we grow traffic on that? How can we grow, grow visibility on that with like paid experiments on that side as well? So that definitely changes or changed our perspective, my perspective in this sense. But the, the foundation, the, 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 the basics are still the same, no matter if you're, you're, you're large or small, or if you have large budgets or not so large ones. Good advice. You talked a bit about kind of quality versus quantity already. I guess this is always a reoccurring topic in the world of content. As I think you've firmly stated that focusing on, on quality over quantity is, is good advice. I guess we've been talking about content in fairly broad terms and, and you know, content can feed campaigns it can be seo focused different stages of the funnel you know there's so many different ways of slicing content how do you tend to split kind of that more seo focused content which is maybe more educational more maybe sometimes more of a volume game but you know quality is still obviously important versus campaign driven content I, I, i've always liked to split content by kind of top of funnel middle of funnel bottom of funnel how, how do you slice things yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because we do have a few similar things, but also maybe different things in place. So yes, we also have like different uh, funnel views in regards to content, like top of funnel content, mid of funnel, bottom of funnel. And obviously it goes through the whole funnel, right? So content needs to be aligned across those steps. The one thing I would, I would add is, and that's also maybe a tip or recommendation for others who are just starting is think about your audience and who really is in like from a demand creation versus demand capture perspective uh, i would always start at the very bottom right think about your core topics um, uh, think about your core industry and how you can be visible in there think about the the core pains that you as a product solve in in, in that in maybe specific verticals so one thing we have for example is because we don't have a better name for it a vip list of topics so 
what we have defined in our content strategy is a VIP list of topics, and we regularly review those topics, change it, add it, skip topics. But we have that list because it helps everyone on the team be reminded that these are the core topics, these are the key content themes from an always-on kind of static content perspective where we want to be found because we think we have a good product for those topics and, and all the problems in there. So that's for us a very, let's say, bottom of the funnel key theme kind of list where we are focused on and we regularly review. In regards to campaigns and, and all of that, yes, for sure. I mean, it, it obviously depends if, if you think about content marketing as a, as a, as a campaign-based kind of approach. For sure, there are different ways to do that. We think about this in the sense of we do have key themes. We want to get across key go-to-market um, topics we want to focus on, for example, in a particular quarter. And with that comes the responsibility to support that with content. Um, and especially in, in a space where we are, where it's, where we talk to the, uh, quite a technical heavy audience, where we talk to developers, content doesn't stop with lead capture, right? Content goes into product uh, um, activation. How can you activate a user? Where can you work with the product team to define the different trigger elements, the different things in your product and beyond where you wow your users in the product experience? You have to think about documentation. How does documentation support the activation, but also product retention journey? So content marketing for us doesn't really stop that. Okay, we capture a lead, we run with a campaign, lead capture and all of that. But we have to think through the whole funnel until, like even after someone became a customer of our software, for example. So. There are a couple of challenges that come with that, but I guess the main message for me today is, um, yes, we have this campaign-based view from a go-to-market theme perspective, but at the same time, our content team is really focused on always on education, information, entertaining, like conversion-relevant content assets and so on and so forth. And we have, like, we have different formats for different purposes and vehicles, but at the end of the day, it always goes back to how is it supporting a different funnel stage and yeah, what can be optimized or what, where does new content be created? Because at, at one point, every new asset you add might, might help you less from a business KPI perspective than optimizing content. So one of the, well, I think one of the maybe mistakes we've made a, a, a while ago was to focus not so much on content optimization, but always rather on the content creation side. And, um, at one, at some point, you probably have so much content out there where it's more about optimizing and mapping mapping the content with the different user journeys and funnel stages. Absolutely, yeah. Good advice. You talked already, as, as we said, quality being key. Yeah, a lot of AI tools are on the scene. Chat GPT has been everywhere in the last week or so. The various AI content writing tools out there. How do you see, you know, as things get more competitive, and I guess some of these tools potentially lower the barrier to entry on content production that volume is quality more important than ever do you, do you think it's just you have to focus on creativity more like how, how do you compete in you know, looking ahead i think there are a couple of things that um, we we see happening there one is i see those all of the ai tools that you mentioned as helpers for us as marketers right they should we should see them as helpers instead of starting with a blank paper we can ask chesper.ai for some input on a blog topic right we can ask like chat GPT about some, some information to get started without like instead of maybe we ask Google. So I see those tools right now as, as tools that we as marketers need to learn how we can use them, how we can use them efficiently 
so we can get our job done in a better, more creative way. I think it will put more more responsibility on us as marketers to be more creative again, to think more outside of the box on where we can uncover real new knowledge, where we can uh, be different in that sense. Because with the evolution of those mentioned AI tools, we will see more of the same sameness, right? So it puts more responsibility on us as marketers to think about the branding side of things, the brand experience, how we can differentiate also with the content. Can we use the content that is being created by AI? Yes, especially like if it's more on the long tail educational purpose side of things, for sure. But it should not take away our responsibility to own the branding side of things. And it will put more focus. I think we as marketers will need to focus more on that as, as we move into, into next year with all of those tools. Yeah. It's very exciting evolution, um, but at the end of the day, I think in the last years we've already seen Google and and others updating theirs like algorithm based on how valuable is content at the end of the day for a certain readership, right? So it's not like ten years, fifteen years, twenty years ago where we would heavily optimize content for a search engine. That's no longer the case. We I think we already have to do that since a few years and Google is more and more pushing all in that direction. So, Yeah, makes sense. So one last question and we're nearly out of time. Looking ahead into next year, what excites you most about your content strategy as you uh, continue to put the Storyblock team in momentum? What excites me most about our content strategy? I think we're now moving more into video content. We, as a business, we always loved written content and, and we're always good at that. And this year, we started to invest more heavily in the video marketing side of things. And yeah, I'm really excited about all of the video content that's to come next year on the Storyblock YouTube channel and all of our other properties. Amazing. It's been great talking, Thomas. You've shared a lot of very valuable insight, I think, for anybody on their, you know, wherever they are on their, their content journey. Small team, team, small budget, big budget. So yeah, thanks so much, Aaron. And thank you again. We're super busy at Finite building the best community possible for marketers working in the B2B tech and SaaS sector to connect, share, learn, and grow. Along with our podcast, we host online events, share curated content, and have an active Slack community with members from around the world, including cities like London, New York, Singapore, Tel Aviv, Stockholm, Melbourne, and many more. Head to finite.community and apply for a free membership to strengthen your marketing knowledge, build your network, and connect with ambitious B2B tech marketers across the globe.